It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves and Ashley Fresca on 95.5 WSB. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. It's 607 95.5 WSB. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, along with Ashley Frasca, the person who asks the questions to make sure that we know what I'm saying is true. Only truth this morning. No lies. Everything is absolutely 100% guaranteed to be as close as I can possibly make it to the truth. I think you do pretty well at that. I do try, try my best. <laughs> I try my best. If you have a question about any aspect of gardening, about photosynthesis, about trees, shrubs, lawns, critters, snakes, what else? House plants. Birds. Birds, birds. You got some birds. Did you say lawns? Those two. Yeah, lawns. lawns. Mm-hmm. All those things. 404-872-0750. 404-872-0750. And because the holiday season is here, I have some questions for Miss Frasca. All right. All right. Where does the poinsettia come from? I think we used to import a lot of them from Mexico. Am I Very correct? Good. That's exactly perfectly 100% truth yes. right there. Bing, bing. Now, maybe. Oh, that bell comes in handy. It does. Scott Slade, thank you for putting that on loan. Um, but my question to you, uh-huh. maybe you weren't done with your line of questioning, yeah. but see, that's my job yes, is to interject. Job, exactly. So... When I was younger, there was a little bit of the, I don't know if it was a myth or, or truth, that they were poisonous yeah, to children and to work. animals. Sure. But now I understand we may have greenhouses here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit different breed, maybe? No. And they're not they're poisonous. All the same. They never were poisonous in the first place. Oh. They're not poisonous now. Oh. It was a myth. Well, that's good news. I don't know why anybody would profit. Usually myths and viral sensations on the Internet. We didn't have an Internet back then, but... Mm-hmm. Why anybody thought that would be a good thing to rumor to pass around? Right. Poinsettia? No idea. No. How did poinsettia get its name? Something about the the leaves, the way the leaves are pointed? Mm, no, ring, no ring. Okay. No. <laughs> no, actually. Poinsettias were named for a guy named Joel Poinsett. Oh, ain't that nice? Yeah. And he was the first ambassador to Mexico from the United States in 1825. And besides being sort of a diplomat, and he traveled all over the world to, to, to you know, be a nice person and get the <clears throat> countries to cooperate, things like that. But besides being a diplomat, he was also sort of a botanist. He loved plants. He really did. He had a greenhouse in South Carolina where he's from. And so when he was appointed to be the uh, diplomat, the ambassador to, to, New Mexico, to Mexico, he decided he needed to take a little trip and see some plants in Mexico. And he did. And down in southern Mexico, he found a plant that, oh, look at that. It's got red leaves all over it. It's so pretty, pretty, pretty. He'd never seen it before. It doesn't grow in South Carolina very well, but he thought, well, I'll send some back to my buddy that's running my greenhouse. And so he sent it back to South Carolina. And when he returned to his home, he looked and they had propagated about 900 of them and thought, that was pretty nice. Let's give, some my, give some of these to my friend John Bartram, who lives up in the Northeast. And so he gave some to John Bartram. And John Bartram said, whoa, these are really, really nice. What do you call them? Hmm. They looked around, looked around, and finally... 
It says a euphorbia. And euphorbias are characterized by having a sort of a sticky latex in the in the ju in the sap of the plant. And so if you take a leaf off a poinsettia, you'll see that it bleeds a little bit. Oh. It's white stuff. It comes out of the out of the uh, stem. It's not poisonous. It's just sticky. And I don't know, it may burn your eyes if you get it in your eyes, but nobody's getting that close to the poinsettia. Nonetheless, the guy in, in the northeast, Mr. Uh, what did I say, uh, uh, Burnham up there, he gave it to a buddy of his who was a commercial <laughs> greenhouse owner who sold plants at retail. And he said, wow, this really, really propagates well. People like it because of the red, flat red uh, leaves on it. Let's name it. What are we going to name it? Hmm, who was it that sent those to you? Oh, Joel Poinsett. Let's call it Poinsettia. What about that? Now, some Southerners just say Poinsettia. Poinsettia. Mm-hmm. Poinsettia. Leave out just a few yeah, letters. We all have different ways of pronouncing the, the plant. Poinsettia, Poinsettia, Poinsettia. Uh, depends on where you put the emphasis on that particular word. And so, Joel Poinsettia is the person for whom the Poinsettia was named. That's neat. Now, I have even more questions for you because okay. I want to see if we can learn a little bit more. What are the red things, or pink or white, or whatever the color? What are the colored things on a poinsettia called? I know, but I, I can't say it right. All right, bracts. You perfectly said. Did I say it right? Oh, it's, oh yes, That's I'm two exactly for three. Right, the things that we call leaves, or mm-hmm. the, the something we call, call flowers. You'd think they were petals, yeah, but they're not. Petals, right? They're not. They're called bracts. B R A C T S, and they're just a modified leaf that's been modified to change color. Why? Because the flower itself is a little bitty yellow thing in the middle of the bracts, which is five or six little yellow things. Those are the flowers. And the pollinated insects look at those little yellow things and say, those are ugly. We're not going to come over here and do some pollination. So instead, the plant made the leaves, it modified the leaves around the flowers to change color so they're nice and pretty and bright. And the insects say, oh, look at that. Let's come over there and pollinate that flower. So the bracts bring insects in to pollinate the flower. They have seeds. So just the way that the plant is designed or yeah. or the way the little seeds are, yeah. the leaves, I mean, obviously the leaves underneath, they stay green. Yeah. So it's it's designed to where the, the leaves the are never going to change the colors. Right. Just, just around the flowers. Those are the bracts. Those are the modified leaves. Now, for extra special points, because right. you're my special friend. Let's go three for four. What's another plant that has bracts around the flowers. Dang it. It's very popular, very beautiful in the spring in Georgia, well, all over the southeast. Um, it's a tree, actually. Oh. It has white dogwood. flowers. Very good. Wow. Dogwood, right. That's exactly right. Thank you, Jason. Right. Jason's over there rooting for me. Three the for four. The dogwood, okay. those things that we call the flower, the petals of the dogwood, those yeah. are actually bracts as well. They're modified leaves, and they're flowers, the little bitty yellow things in the middle of the bracts. Hey, wow. we learn something new every day. I think it's really good to emphasize, too, that, that poinsettias are not poisonous. Not poisonous that is all. just really, that's still something I hear to this day. Sure. People are afraid to get them and put them in the house or put them on the hearth because of their animals They're or babies. Or the cat yeah. or the baby, yeah, someone will come and chew the leaves. And again, yeah, if you chew the leaves, you might get a little tummy upset, but if you chew the leaves with a lot of things, yeah, <laughs> you get a little tummy right. upset. Yeah. Amaryllis and paper whites. Common sense. Every, every housewife I can think of, I wouldn't want to eat it. <laughs> no, not eat it at all. So if you have a question about, I have a listening audience, if you have a question about houseplants, about other things you can grow during this time of year, the amaryllis, for instance, how do you get an amaryllis to, to turn, uh, to have a flower on it? How do you 
uh, get Paperwise to be real short and stocky. We have a good answer for that one. 404-872-0750. All right. Yes. Do we have some calls lined up? Well, as a matter of fact, we do have some calls lined up. Let us look upon the calls this morning and see who dialed first. It's that nice friend down in Spalding County, Nicole. Hey, hey. Nicole. Good morning. Mr. Reeves. Ms. Nicole. Good morning. How are you? Fine, fine. I was thinking all those university, they all work together. Yeah. And then I saw a pamphlet, even Canada participate now. Sure, sure. All the and big that, research universities have agreements with each other that they sort of co- collaborate and cooperate on the research that they do and, uh, you know, how to grow various plants properly and, and do you know, things that the horticulture and agriculture industry need to know. And they share. That's the yeah, best part yeah, exactly. of it, isn't that it? Is, in fact, that is the reason for the existence of the University of Georgia, as well as other land-grant universities across the country, is to share information between universities, sure, but also with people, which is you and me. I mean, that's what the extension and extension service means. We extend knowledge from the university out to the commoners, me and you and Ashley. I want to talk about your favorite animals. Possums? Mm. <laughs> what? The squirrel. Oh, no, they're not gosh. my favorite animals. I oh, saw one yesterday. It was up in a tree, and I just I wanted to throw a rock at it. Yeah. I just wanted to do something mean to that squirrel because he was not. This didn't look right. I didn't like that squirrel. He didn't look right. Well, I, I watched them for a good half hour. I was a place, and they have two houses uh, pretty close to each other. Yeah. Okay. The squirrel is really smart, okay? He goes from the back of the house and front of the house, okay? And that's probably 10 or 15 of them, okay? They, if they have a branch really close from the house, okay, they wait until the branch do not move. They go at the last of it right. and they tremble like the circus of the soleil, the second soleil. <laughs> I was so impressed, Mr. Reed. They wait until the branch do not move. Yeah. They they get the last of it, then they circle around on top, and then they get the tree. They're yeah. like little acrobats, yeah, well, for sure. Like a squirrel de soleil or a squirrel de soleil mm-hmm. we have here, yeah. Yes, and the youngest one? They are just back and forth, back and forth to see if they're going to take a chance. And they learn from, <laughs> from the oldest yeah. one. And uh, finally, the youngest one. And I was thinking, if the branch uh, broke, what's mm-hmm. going to happen? They're oh. going to wind up? I don't think so. Have you ever seen one that's missed? I've seen that's why I was thinking, be- yeah, I don't, if the branch going to broke if, if it's going to fall down or what is he going to do? But I see a lot of electric when we see a squirrel because sometimes the electric lines are hot. Yeah. And they just they don't feel it or they don't know. But, boy, they're smart, Mr. Reed. <laughs> they're either smart or very acrobatic or they know how to observe physics. I don't know what they do, but they well, learn not to fall. And rocket science, when it comes to figuring out bird feeders, I mean, there's there's no <laughs> squirrel-proof bird feeder out there that they have not yeah, figured out. You know, broken the code. Even the good garbage can, Mr. Reed, they're going to put a hole and go inside <laughs> no, of it. No, no, uh, you cannot, yeah, you cannot put some bird, uh, like a bag you have over, uh, left over. Don't put it in the utility building because they will find a way. They, they chew on everything else, too. They shouldn't chew on my gas can. They chewed up the lid to my gas can. They chewed up the aluminum uh, things on a, on a chain-link fence. They just they lick mortar and bricks. What are they thinking? I don't know, but that's what squirrels do. They 
smart on one hand and dumb on the other. They have a set of teeth. <laughs> I guess so. Nicole, I see the other time i got to get out of here, but it's wonderful talking to you. Have a great weekend. We'll see you soon. Enjoy your day. Enjoy Bye, Nicole. As well. Bye. It is 618. We'll be back after this. Scott Slade here on your WSB Weekend. Enjoy Walter Reeves Lawn and Garden and Dave Baker's Home Fix-It this morning on 95.5 WSB. The WSB News Team, meteorologist Kirk Mellish and I will be here Monday morning with Atlanta's Morning News. Here's Walter. Walter Reeves, Ashley Frasca back with you on the Lawn and Garden Show. Whose birthday is it? Ooh, birthday. Birthday? Jason knows something that maybe we don't. It's not my birthday. Is it your birthday, Jason? No, it's not Jason's birthday. Is it Demarco Williams' birthday? No, it's Demarco, not Demarco screen and phone. This no. morning, one, two, three. There's only four people in the studio. All right. And the fourth one left, if it's not Walter or Jason or Demarco, is Ashley ah! Fresca. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Yes, it is Pearl Harbor Day. So. All right, brought to you by Finley Roofing today. It's going to be cloudy, but no rain, a high of 61. That's lovely low of around 44. And then tomorrow, maybe just a 20% chance of a shower, high of 54, lows only around 47 degrees. So the complete weather forecast coming up in 10 minutes here on 95.5 WSB. And Gene and Bremen comes up right this minute on 95.5 WSB. Hey, Gene, good morning. I don't know if you can trim uh, gardenia bush down now, or should I wait? Well, it depends. It depends sort of on your motivation for pruning. If you want a great big one that's eight, nine feet tall, and you just think, man, that is way too big, the best time to prune it down severely is probably now, between now and February, because it's wintertime, and you know, just there's less stress on the, on the plant. On the other hand, if you say, I just take a little bit off here, a little bit off there, because when I walk past and I love flowers, then you better just do a little bit here, a little bit there, because the flowers will be affected if you do severe pruning now. Oh, so okay. So it depends on what you want to do. What, what's your motivation, Gene? Well, I guess I'll just snip it off if it's going to affect the flowers. It will. <laughs> it will. Now, and- that said... Do you know when your gardenia blooms? Because it blooms, seems like one variety blooms in the spring, one in the summer, one in the fall. Do you know which variety, when yours flowers? Well, it blooms real good in the spring, but then I'll have a straggly flowered right. all during the summer. So what I would do is, if you like the flowers, do a little bit of pruning now if you need to. And then after it's flowered in the spring, you can prune it down with, you take 25 or 30% of the foliage off of it, it'll be fine after that, and it'll recover. And you may not have those straggly one and two and three flowers during the summer, but you won't miss those much. Well, I was going to tell you, you told me way back in the spring to put a note and remind you <laughs> to make sure you got out and trimmed your Lenten roses, the dead stuff off. Oh. Gene, I did it already, and thank you for reminding me. Next year, push it back until about the middle of November. As I did it this year, the middle of November, and it look, they look great. Green, bright, vibrant, just fabulous. I've turned them all back wow. in November. So remind me then. Great advice for Lenten Rose. Yeah, Lenten Rose. Lenten Rose. Hellebores. Do it in November. 627 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back after news. Live and festive in the Publix Holiday Headquarters studio at 95.5 WSB. 
It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves and Ashley Fresca on 95.5 WSB. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. It's 6.36 on a Saturday morning at 95.5 WSB. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves. Along with Ashley Frasca, we are here to answer any question you have about any plant you have. We will take it on. Susan in Flowery Branch joins us. Hey, Susan. Good morning. Good morning. Hi. How can we help? Um, I, and happy birthday, Ashley. Thank you. Um, <laughs> you're welcome. I have a poinsettia that I have saved um, from last year. Yeah. And... It's green, and uh, the the rumor is is that I'm supposed to put it in a dark closet mm. in order to make it turn red this year. Yeah. So I just wondered how I could um, make it or help it to be red for this season. Uh-oh. For this season? Mm, a little too maybe late. Maybe not, Susan. I can get you for hmm, Groundhog Day, Easter. I can get you red by then, but it's a process that takes a good while to get to start and to get it done, to make it turn red. Okay, so what do I do to make it turn red? Well, the poinsettia naturally wants to make it to flower and make the bracts. Did you hear us talking about the bracts earlier in the show, Susan? I did. Earlier this morning. So the way to make the poinsettia change its bracts or change its leaves into bracts so they have a little coloring on them is to make it real, real dark. I mean, like pitch black dark for at least six or eight weeks before you want the flowering oh, okay. and the coloring to happen. And so what some people do, yes, put it in the closet. Others find it easier to get a big cardboard box and put it over the top of their plant, but they do it sometime in September is when you start, September or early oh, October. Oh, so I'm going to have to plan ahead for next year. Yep, you got it. But, okay. I, I mean, that's totally commendable that you were able to keep it alive because that yeah. in and of itself for a year, that's a process. Pretty good, yeah. Did you have well, to cut it, it at all? Beautiful, it was a beautiful plant last year. And so, um, and actually, to be t- totally honest, my husband kept it alive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well. So I, we just wondered, um, and we had heard that, but we had put it in a dark space, but maybe um, not long enough. Yeah. Um, based on the timeline that you suggested. And when I, when well, I, I hope say, everyone... When Go I ahead. say dark, I really mean D-A-R-K, dark, because even one or two nights of light, we forget to put the box over the top, forget to put it in the closet, that'll change the whole process. It won't turn red then. So what was the watering, okay. what was the watering process that y'all kept up with, Susan? Um, watered it about once a week. Okay. Sounds right. And, it, um, and it's still... It's still alive, and we just didn't, you know, want to give up on it, but um, wondered, and it's beautifully green. Yeah. It's just not red. If so, Valentine's it, Day. Valentine's Day would be yes. nice. That's a good point. <laughs> Valentine's Day, February, I think you could do it, Susan, <laughs> and, you know, repay your husband and all the work that he did to keep it alive. You get it to turn it's, it's red quite for Valentine's. commendable. Yes. <laughs> well, y'all have a Merry Christmas, and I appreciate your, que- your answers. Thanks, Thanks Susan. Susan. We'll see you soon. We got John in Kennesaw who joins us. John, John, John. Good morning. Yeah. Good morning. Thanks hey. for taking my call. Um, I have a, a lot or a property that has some uh, dogwood trees that were planted probably in the late twenties to early thirties wow. last century, and they're dying away. Okay, I've lost probably four or five of them, down to a couple now, 
and want to know how could you, how do you reproduce those trees? I'd love to keep that tree line going. And your discussion early on the brats with the bazettas yeah, and yeah. talks about the dogwoods really stirred that thought. So I thought I would ask you those questions. So propagating a dogwood, yeah, that's not the really hard. Job. You could try it, John. Look, the people do it, and so you can do it too. So go on my website because I don't have time to go to the half hour of how to propagate woody plants. But look on my website for a whole page on how to propagate. I put it under shrubs, which is the same process goes for dogwood. You collect little cuttings, basically, in uh, June when they're sort of hardened off from the springtime. And you stick them in well-drained soil. You put a plastic cover over the top, and they will root if put in a bright shade. They'll root in about 8 to 10 weeks. So it takes a while to get dogwood cuttings to root, but you can do it. Or maybe, John, do you ever see any seeds on these? Are they blooms or have any seeds? Well, I don't, but to be quite honest with you, I don't really know what I'm looking for. You know, you, I thought the uh, brats you talked about were seeds, or I didn't know. So it's, I really didn't know what to look for. It's the red things, the red things that come after the flowers. You've probably, oh, okay. Yeah, you probably noticed that on, on dogwoods around your house. Yeah. The red things right after the flowers, they're the seeds. Okay, so that would work also? It'd be a lot easier than trying to root it. Try one of each. Yeah, good See, idea. I mean, really. Report back. Tell us which one worked. So when you go to Walter's website, uh, WalterReeves.com, just type in the search bar, just propagate. That's all you got to do. And it's maybe the third or fourth article down, propagating a shrub from cuttings. And, and that will, I mean, it requires a lot of patience, but it'll yeah. totally work. Great. Well, I really thank you and appreciate your call. And you folks have a nice Christmas, okay? It's you too. the same, John. Thanks so much for calling. 404 872 0750 is the number of Lawn and Garden. It is difficult to propagate some woody plants more than others. I'm not sure why that is. It's easy to propagate hydrangeas, easy to propagate most azaleas for that matter. And some of the trees, eh, it gets harder and harder as you get bigger and bigger. Seems like the white oaks, I've never seen anybody propagate by rooting a white oak. But from acorns, white oaks are like a fall off a log, they just sprout immediately. Yeah. So easy to do white, white oak. Not so easy to do white oak from, from a cutting. Jane is in Smyrna and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Jane, good morning. Hey, good morning, y'all. Hey. Hey. Um, well, I've got this azalea. It's an encore, and it, it, it's hanging on. It, had been tra- it was fully grown when it was transplanted, and the spot that I put it in was in full sun. Yeah. Um, but... It, it has lichens on it. It's been through a lot of stress, and I was about to just let it go. And then I found that I still had a little um, fish and seaweed emulsion, so I gave it a drench of that. Uh-huh. And um, a couple of three weeks later, it, there was just this huge profusion of, of flowers. Awesome. And I thought, well, maybe there's hope. So... Is there anything that I need to do to keep it alive, or is it too late? What signs do I look for this spring? If it doesn't leaf out very much, does that mean it's not going to make it? Not necessarily. I mean, you put the fertilizer on there and it responded with all those flowers. I certainly wouldn't give up on it. I think in the spring, sort of the tale will be told. You'll find that the leaves come out, lots of green leaves, good news. Mm -hmm. No leaves at all, bad news. Okay. Let's, let's talk a little bit more, Jane. Lichens. Yeah, what were the conditions, you yeah. think, Walter, that created that 
issue. I want to know, I'm sure that if you, you said lichens, Jane, tell us what lichens are because the listeners out there want to know what you're talking about. Me? Tell you what, like, well, I think that's what you call them. I mean, it's that gray, uh, light gray kind of white growth on, on the Since stem. I have my bell here. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right, Jane. The green, grayish sort of growth that you see on the bark of mm-hmm. just about any tree or shrub, you're going to see a few lichens on there. But as the tree or shrub becomes thinner, as it has fewer leaves on it, lichens like to grow even more. They have a lot of lichens on things that don't have much uh, leaf cover on them. That said, lichens don't hurt the plant at all. They don't do anything bad to the plant. They simply like growing on bark. Bark is its favorite place to grow. Second favorite place is uh, rocks that are up off the ground. You see lichens on top of rocks sometimes. But lichens don't hurt the plant, but they do indicate that the plant is sort of thin, and you figure that out, and you put the fertilizer on there, and hopefully you'll get some leaves that will make the plant more vigorous itself, more flowers itself, of course, and the lichens will sort of fade away. Now, how often, if I want to nurse this along, how often should I feed it with this fish emulsion? Every three or four weeks. Oh, that, that much? Yeah. Fish emulsion is, is what are the numbers on the, on the bottle of the container? I think it's like three, one, two, or something See, like that. That first number, nitrogen, is the one you right. think about as being the one that could be most likely to cause harm. If you have a oh, lot really? of nitrogen, like 15, zero, 15, that's really a lot of nitrogen. You can't mm-hmm. feed a plant every three or four weeks with that. You need to space that out to every six weeks or so. But with only 3% nitrogen, it's going to be used up in just a couple of weeks. So I think three to four is about oh. right. Mm-hmm. Well. Well, you learned. <laughs> okay. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. I have something else, Jane. Look at what? me. What? <clears throat> Actually, let me ask Ms. Frasca over here. Mm-hmm. What is a lichen? What is it made up of? And what, how, does, how are lichens even I don't formed? know. Any clue on that? No, no. Jane, you got any knowledge of lichens? How, you mean how are they formed? Yeah. What? Are they a plant? Are they an animal? Are they a mineral? Are they a bird? Are they a plane? Are they, <laughs> what, are, what are lichens? Well, I have no idea. Hmm. Lichens are a symbiotic association. Whoa, big symbiotic. Really? They're a symbiotic association between algae and algae and a fungus. The algae loves photosynthesizing. Algae loves sunshine, but it can't protect itself from drying out. Fungi, on the other hand, many times have a sort of mantle where they have cells that keep themselves from drying out. So if you have an algae inside a fungus... The fungus protects, the algae photosynthesizes and feeds the fungus, and the two of them together symbiotically like to grow on the bark of trees. So is this, is this sort of nature's way to protect the tree from drying out? Mm, no. <laughs> Good okay. theory. I like the theory. Uh, probably doesn't have anything to do with that. It's the lichens are a little more selfish, I yeah, guess. They're yeah, not really... They're not there feeding the tree yeah. or fertilizing anything but, to the tree. But they're not a... Um... Oh, not a parasite. I mean, they don't suck the, the no, juice out. Not of it. a parasite, not at all. Not parasite, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, all right then. Um, well, every did. three or four weeks. You and didn't know how smart you'd be when you called the Long and <laughs> No, but 
that's what happens when you call your little <laughs> That's life. what happens. You just get smarter. Let's just <laughs> that's go. right. Thank you so much. Thank y'all for being there. Hey, thanks so much for calling, Jane. 404 If you want to get smart this morning, <laughs> We're on a roll. 877 404-872-0750. 844-872-0750. We'll be back after this. It's Scott Slate. Did you know you can listen to Walter Reeves on Saturday mornings on your Amazon Echo or Dot? And me too, weekday mornings. Just say, Alexa, play WSB. And we're on 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's news and talk. Here's Walter. And we're back on Lawn and Garden. A quick weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. A high of 61 today. It's going to be mostly cloudy. Overall, a nice day, though. And lows in the mid-40s. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy. Chance of showers actually goes up to 40% more in the evening. A high of 54 and a low of 47. So stay tuned. A complete weather update comes up in less than 10 minutes here on 95.5 WSB. And you know what I spent a day doing earlier this week? What? Clark Howard's Christmas Kids. Oh, what a great thing. What Not a great... 29 up- years, too. Gee, 29 Walters, years. Think about that. So uh, Thursday was our kickoff at the Ashford Dunwoody Walmart. Yeah. We doubled our goal of children. Our, our goal overall is um, about 9,000 foster children right. in the yeah. state of Georgia Presents. need to be taken care of for Christmas. So... Um, we were able to, each store has a goal. So Ashford Dunwoody doubled its goal of children. Today, we continue it, day three of Clark's Christmas Kids. You can visit Dave Baker and Clark at the Walmart in Woodstock there at Highway 92 and Trickham Road. They're going to be broadcasting live from 9 to noon. And we also have a second store. If you're on the south side and you're hearing this from 9 to noon, the newer Walmart location in McDonough on Willow Lane, Art Terrell from the Morning Groove, Kiss 104.1, he'll be there. And our own Chris Chandler from our news department, he'll be down there as well from about 10 to 12. So we welcome you. We encourage you to go see this. It is such an amazing thing. It'll get you in the holiday spirit. You're helping children in foster care in Georgia and in the DFAC system. And it's just kids. a great time. It really, really makes a difference for your kids to help you shop for a foster kid. Your kids get involved, and they really think you're a super parent if you bring your kids along to do this. It's a great great effort. Great so they partners. get to step away from themselves for a little while. Like, yeah. say, you bring a 7-year-old back to the toy department. Now, we're not shopping for you, Johnny, but what do you think? Another little 7-year-old. And he would just... Go nuts, yeah. yeah. Of course. It's a great process. So uh, more about that can be found at wsbradio.com or clark.com slash Kids if you want to know the entire schedule, which runs through next Sunday. Dale in Jefferson, Georgia, joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Dale, good morning. Good morning. Hey, Dale, what's up? You sound a lot better. Oh, thank you, Dale. I do appreciate that. Your confidence yeah. is appreciated. Okay, I- Acorns from an oak tree. Can yeah. can you plant them, and how do you do it? Yeah, you don't even have to plant them if they just fall off an <laughs> oak tree nearby and land where they will. They grow like crazy just yeah. by themselves. I think you know, really, Dale. There's a difference in how they germinate depending on what kind of oak you have. So, do you have a leaf? Do you remember what the leaf looks like on your oak tree, Dale? Yes, it comes to a point. It comes to they're a not point. Re- yes, that's they're not point. real big. All right, yes. so if it comes to a point, the leaf comes to a point, that's a red oak. And red oak family, the acorns sprout, just like Ashley says, they drop to the ground. But they need usually a, a season of winter to what's called stratify, which means they have a time when they're cold and uh, moist, and you leave them on the ground, and they sprout the next, uh, usually the next year. 
On the other hand, if you said, oh, the points of my leaf, there's no points of my oak tree leaf, they're rounded, then those are white oaks, and they sprout during the wintertime. You don't have to do anything to them. They just sprout almost immediately, like in the next two weeks from falling. Uh, so if I toss them on the edge where I don't have no trees, I've yeah. got a good chance they'll come up as trees. Sure. I really think so. And, I mean, you know, the shells, when they go through that process, the acorn shell does its own thing. It, it's yes. able to split open. You know, you see the little green sprout coming from the inside and all of that. Um, and just over time, when all those acorns fall, or if you were to just spread them purposefully where you want to, leaves falling on them, erosion, yeah. a little bit of dirt coming from here and there. I mean, that's plenty for it to be able to sprout all on its own. Mm. Might put a little well, chicken that's... wire over it, Dale, because squirrels sometimes eat those little sprouts. But if you really want to protect them, chicken wire will help. But uh, as I actually said, you just put them out there and pretty much nature takes care of it. Well, that's real good news to me. You Thank bet. You. Good luck with it, Dale. We'll see you soon. All right. Bye. 404-872-0750 is the number of Lawn and Garden. We'll be back after news.